The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? We're going to change it up. (laughs) That's shocking. (laughs) It's not really a change up if it's the same lane. Yeah, I know. We're going to switch to vodka because we do have a very fine vodka that's probably a, a really cheap store stock version, if you will, star vodka. But it's good. It's the one we like the best. Yeah, I don't know why. We like the flavor of it the yeah, best. Yeah. And it's not expensive, so it's super great. Yeah. And we went out and bought brand new Colossal Olives. Yes. And so why not have a vodka martini? Olive soup. Yeah, and we're going to play with it. We're making a traditional recipe, which is a three-to-one ratio on vodka to dry vermouth. Stir it a hundred times, strained, and serve with two colossal olives. Otherwise, if you have the little tiny ones, you have to use three. Yeah. But we'll see how we like this since we've really distilled out the perfect recipe well, we're for a gin. Bit, we're a bit of a martini snob. We are. Because we've perfected that gin martini. Yes. Eight so to one, it'd be interesting, even stirred, though you know. we prefer gin, but it'd be interesting if we could find a way to distill down this recipe in right. such a way where we find the perfect balance. It may not be our total favorite, but we could find a perfect balance in this because it's a very purist drink. Yes. I mean, this is the James Bond drink, right? Yes. Like yes. vodka martini shaken, not stirred. Yeah. yeah. But we <laughs> stir it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think James Bond drinks a Vesper. He does, actually. Yeah. All right, well, let's see how this is. So it has no aroma. No aroma. Vodka. That's pretty good. I like that. I would say as soon as I taste it, I taste our vodka. And it's such a, how do I say it? It's 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 definitely a straight vodka. It's super smooth. And it's almost in this, it's almost a little sweet. Like it's almost, there's a sweetness to the vodka. Yeah. And then you get the vermouth and it's very balanced. I don't know if you'd want more vermouth. If anything, I'd want less vermouth. Or less vermouth. Yeah, I think. And more vodka. So maybe next time we try it like our ratio for gin. For four just, to one. Just to see what it tastes like. Yeah. I mean, three to one, this is not bad at all. No. You know, and the key is this. We keep our vodka in the freezer. Yes. So when you cold. make this and then you stir, there's very less ice melt. All right. Just further coldness, right? right? And you serve it in a cold glass and look how it keeps the glass cold it because does, yeah. the vodka is so cold yeah 
Yeah, I think somebody once said to me, the way I like vermouth in vodka martinis mm-hmm. is you just wave the bottle of vermouth <laughs> nearby the glass. You don't actually yeah. pour any of it in. Well, and so there's three to one in here. There's a significant right. amount of vermouth. Right. So it would be interesting to go four to one right. and see if that changes it. When I was playing with vodka martinis before you and I got together, I would try just coating the inside of the rinse glass. Rinse it. Yeah, rinse the glass. Move. That's another technique. Yeah. And like if we go four to one, we go, well, it just tastes like vodka. Like we're not getting right. anything. Then what I was going to just suggest is we should rinse the glass with vermouth, but still add the four to one uh-huh. and see if that, that brightens it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm not unimpressed with this. No, I'm actually surprised. But And, you know, I used to drink. The, I thought this was like the cat's meow. I yeah. would drink vodka martinis. I felt so sophisticated and I felt, and I love, and I liked them a yeah. lot. And that's before I got into all the other things that I like more, like right. Manhattans and gin martini. You know, right. I was very safe with this, but I thought, wow, it's just so pure. It's like a purest drink. You yeah. can have just this. There's no sweets in it. Right. You know, you can drink one after another. Yeah. yeah. Olive soup. Olive soup. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. All right, the story of O, Mm -hmm. chapter two, our part four. Perfect. And where we find ourselves is with Renee leaving O in Stephen's care. Right. She's sitting on the couch. He is looking at her, and then Mm -hmm. he leaves the room, and she finds herself alone. She's kneeling, actually. She's kneeling? By the fire. Oh, right. Because she can feel the fire flame. Later, she gets to the couch, but she feels the heat from the fire she's listening to the sounds in the room like the clocks she recognizes just like at rossi that she waiting to be used could be there a minute to 10 minutes to half an hour right never knowing when he might come back in right and so he does come back in in his dressing gown right and i noticed in this part she looked up and watched him more than she ever has. Like at Rossi, her eyes had to be down, but he hasn't. Now, so far, he hasn't corrected that. Exactly. Right. But she knows better-ish, you know, I would say from the habit, right? But she's noticing she's taken by him. Like right. she's attracted to him. Yeah, she's definitely curious about what's going to happen. She feels herself becoming aroused. She watches him watching her, and she's impressed by that. Yeah. And then he says to her, well, take off your jacket. Right. And so she undoes her jacket, and she's sitting there, and he flicks his cigar ash between her breasts. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't, like, respond to that at all, really. She just wonders if it's intentional. Or, yeah. Yeah, well, unintentional. Yeah. She doesn't really know. Yeah. And then he asks her to fondle her asks nipples. Her to fondle her nipples. And then he kind of critiques her. He make tells her that like, she needs to wear a darker rouge, that it's not dark enough. Right. And so he's giving her hints, innuendos on how to please him. 
right, who he is, yeah, right, and what he expects of her, and she's contemplating this relationship that she's situated to, yeah, and she's thinking about her love of Renee, and she's thinking about her experience in Rossi is really an extension of him, and she's wondering what is going to happen with Sir Stephen. And then he tells her to take off her pants or, or her or he skirt. he tells her to touch her nipples. Well, he said, yeah, we did that. Yeah. And then he tells her to take her skirt off, yeah, right? Yeah, she does. She does. She right. kind of fumbles and does. And right. she's yearning for him to, you know, like she's revealing herself. So yeah. she's yearning for him to, you know, like attack her, like desire her. She right. loves, she wants to be desired yeah. by the people that use her, like coveted. Right. And yet she makes her mind is going a million different ways. She talks about she wants not only the caresses of his kisses, but his fingernails. So she's definitely a masochist. She's going back and forth between the yeah. the hard sex kind of thing and soft. She wants both worlds. But she's aroused. She exposes her clit and her clit pops out apparently. Well, and then he has her sit kind of an art on her knees in an arch position, back leaning backwards back, over right. the sofa. And her pussy is like screaming at her to like, fuck me, you know, kind of thing. Right. And then he deep throats her. Right. He fucks her face. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't like stroke gently. He's seeking in the back of her throat. He's right. going after her tolerance of a deep throat. And I think there's a breath play going on because right. he knows he's filling her throat. You know, she's having trouble breathing. Her eyes right. are watering. You right. Know. And... You know, he doesn't come because it's, again, typical. It's a power. It's power play. He's right. getting off of, on the power. Right. Yeah. And. And well, then he has her laid down on the carpet. Yes. Kind of clutching her knees to her chest. Right. And then open her legs. And then he says. Play with yourself. Touch yourself. Yeah. Right. And she is overwhelmed. And, and this is the humiliation part that I think based on the times this book was written and society and things like that was not considered something to do in front of other people. You know, you're slut. She she even said like she had only ever masturbated in bed and never to completion. And never with anyone around. And never with anyone around. Right. So this was new for her. And so she's like telling him she can't and, you know, and, and after one of the things that was interesting after he fucked her face he said, "You. What did he say? He used the word, but he said you're easy. Yeah, you're easy. Which yeah. basically, for the times, she's a slut. You know, basically, right. he knew based on how she handled that. Like it was interesting because I thought immediately to myself, like that was you with me testing me as a masochist. Like right. it, you weren't per se, and you know, we were in two locations, but the whole thing was the same. It was a test to see right. where you fell." In not subspace, but as a sub, so that right. is that going to work with Sir Stephen? Right. And for you, did that work for you? Kind yeah. of thing. And then she's realizing, like, the conversation that Renee had with Sir Stephen, where he was really proudly talking about how available her ass was, and he gave her her ass 
like, like uniquely. You can like, have this like, for you only. For you alone, right. Yeah. And she was really stunned that he would give away a part of her like that. Well, and then she used a lot of analogies like furniture. Like it's your favorite right. piece of furniture, but there's nothing finer than giving your favorite piece of furniture to somebody else to enjoy. Right. So that's the slave component coming in yes, where be, she's not. She's really objectifying herself. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And she's relating that. So one of the things I think, and we, we both have thought Renee is kind of a pansy ass, but. She too can see that because I think what she's questioning for herself is she fell in a traditional sense in love with Renee. And then of course they've progressed through this Rossi thing and now to Sir Stephen. And I think he's becoming less and less attractive because she's like, she wants to be coveted and owned yet he's willing to give her away. And she thinks, well, how can that be desirous of my love right right? and my commitment to you if you're just going to give me away so i do think she's starting to detach from renee surely because of these realizations i mean shoot i would have a long time ago but she's coming to grips with that herself right yeah so interesting you know the author is writing this as a love letter to her lover lover yeah and it's really her exploring her own desire, I think. Well, I think so. She's exploring that and, you know, showing possible capabilities of herself in her well, own sexuality. she's exploring sexuality. herself as a three-hole slut. She's exploring herself right. as... Right, as, as, being used as being used at the pleasure of her lover. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's an erotic uh, love letter yeah. to her lover. And she's taking, you know, author's license on it, too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, I'm curious what your experience of her objectifying herself well, I was. Had Did that you today. have that experience? I had with mouth spasm today. Yeah. You were way back in my throat, like deep, yeah. deep, deep. And it's it's just a phenomenon. Um, I guess in some power exchanges, the fact like hers, let's say, the fact of taking her in that way because it was new for her and depriving her of air and creating this I don't know if it was a struggle, but do you know what I mean? This taking, that's a turnoff for people. And for me, the same thing is happening, but it doesn't occur to me that way. It occurs as an opportunity to please you and provide you the pleasure back in my throat, regardless of whether I need air. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, of course. Like I don't even consider that because for one, you don't break your toys. I trust you. And what's the worst could happen? I might think. Might pass out. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, but it's really more about in that context. It's more about cock worship, right? Like that's a it is exploration of a fetish that we have. But she doesn't equate she that doesn't yet equate because that, it's right. just happening to her, right? And she doesn't. But I have this weird feeling because she has these feelings for him. She might start to get related to some of this. Well, I suspect that that's what's going to happen because, like I told you when we started our exploration mm-hmm. that kink is very addicting <laughs> today's a great example today's a great example for yeah, us right today's a great example yeah i mean it's a very addicting experience and when you're aligned with your master as a submissive the opportunity to explore is wide open mm-hmm. and this is a very prescribed exploration because it's him to her it's not her participating She's just right because I think the context is more slavish versus yeah. submissive yeah. with agency. However, we'll see as it progresses 
where that level is. Yeah. You know, because she does have agency at points other than what I think a slave would do. Like it's in the way the author explains how she does things like. Yeah. How she chooses to sit on the couch. I mean, he obviously prescribes things along the way and he's just starting to train her. We'll see if it becomes more prescribed. Right. But for right now, I definitely see her have moments of agency. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm interested because the book began with this whole exploration of slavery and then it drops her into a a power exchange, a power exchange dynamic in Rossi where she's treated as an object and used repeatedly by multiple men in a very what's the word I'm looking for protocol driven it seems experience. like they were sex that it's a quick a fast track to sexualization fast track yeah and that by having multiple partners using you as an object let's just say Being whipped randomly the, I don't know if the word would be embracing but the acceptance of slutification Sure. Do you see what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah. back then when this was written, slut shaming was like huge. huge. Right. So how did they deal with that or how would that be dealt right. so with? Fast track to slutification, sure. And, and then sexualization. And sexualization. And then handed off to a dominant for her actual experience of training and slavery. Well, and yeah. And then obedience was being used by based on the whippings yeah so they were exploring for fast tracking her on mat on uh, masochism yeah because she got those just daily whippings that weren't part of any behavior thing and then of course there were always these behavior things that had repercussions whether right. that meant sexual use or punishment or something but there was something in there right so yeah. that for me i keep looking at that as being a fast track to sexualization and Slutification. Right. But I mean, there was a point, the only point in Rossi where I felt like she was truly treated like a slave was when she was taken down to the dungeon and, and, chained, and chained there. And then people would come in and, and randomly and yet, use her and beat her. She was hooded or blindfolded, blindfolded or something. Right. For, yeah, for, for the use. But for, not for, for periods of time, because there was food down there. Yeah. It had been a long period of time. It was a, at least a week, right? Yeah. So she's down there getting. So I thought that felt very slavish. But then she comes home, not treated like a slave but still in a DS dynamic and then handed off to Sir Stephen. In a, it, to it, a TPE. Into a TPE, but like, again, slavish. But that's the point where consent becomes a conversation. So she, so her consent isn't really given, then it's given, but sort of randomly. Well, even when we talked about the, the yeah. part before this, yeah. where we were, they kind of ganged up on her right. in the conversation with, yeah, it was with very a context coercive, that wasn't, right. that was very coercive. Yeah. And manipulative, yeah. and which rubs me the wrong way totally. in the kink world. Yeah. And then, of course, she coerced into agreeing to something that she really has no idea what she's agreeing to. Not only does like, she have no idea, but she recognizes that it's like an agreement to do things she's not agreeing necessarily to want to do. Right. There's yeah. no, right. Then that's where the slave part comes in a little bit, too, yeah. you know. And then there's this whole frame where there's a love relationship between her and Renee, but he's sort of giving her up, which I imagine if you're in love with somebody and they just hand you off to somebody else, this isn't like ethical non-monogamy. Like she's being handed off, maybe against her desire because she loves him, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, it's a non-monogamous situation. But Renee's like super thrilled to hand him off to Stephen and give her well, her and ass says, to use. And... I feel like he loves Sir Stephen more, more right. than he loves me. Right. 
So there's this whole sort of conversation going on. Very interesting. I mean, it's a bit fantastical in a way, but it's also still in the realm of DS dynamics. I I haven't seen anything yet that is stuff that doesn't happen in the kink world. Yeah. Like even an isolated scene. Right. All of this is stuff. Isolated scene for sure. The non monogamous stuff. I've read about people being handed off to other doms to use. So that sort of occurs to me. So I've heard of that before. But you and I still believe that in the modern kink world that occurs in a realm of consent. There's still an absence of consent happening here. Yes. So it's, um, it's an interesting inquiry because the context is slavery. The experience is DS sexualization, TPE, Mm non-monogamy. There's a question about consent occurring. So it's just an interesting conversation about where this book, which was written in the 50s, lives in the modern world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And it's neat to read in sections (laughs) because we're so subby. I'm subby. You're Dommy. Yeah. Because we just seen. So. (laughs) No, it's true. What did I say to you earlier? I said that words, how they come out of your mouth and what order they should be in and what they mean is hard right now. It's very hard. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.